Hello and welcome. Thank you for reserving this hour with me. I am your host, Coach Debbie. I work here in the Seattle area and I help you discover your voice and tell your story. My website is www.coachdebbie.com and that's D E B B Y. And my background is in teaching English literature and writing, which really fits in with our theme today, because we are going to talk about your life story and the fact that it is poetic. Kind of like last week, remember we talked about Valentine's Day and the fact that if you're a single, you are entitled to real love as well. And what is real love? And we really explored that. Today we're going to really think about the idea that your life is just happening moment by moment. You're living in these stories with family, with friends, with your work, with your colleagues. How are these moments when you are in your week and how are the moments in your weekend turning out to be the poetry of your life? And you might be rolling your eyes and going down the freeway going, I don't see any poetry out here. And I want to really encourage you that it does exist and it does require you to be looking and listening and feeling into it. At CoachDebbie.com, I help people write their books and I really work with people that are exploring these triumphs they've been through, their journeys, and how they went through some sort of transformation. This sort of thing is very important to me, to support people in the process of getting their expression out there, whether it be a speech or a book or uh, a presentation on the radio show. If you keep hanging out with me, you're going to find that there are all kinds of stories that we all live by. And it, it is important that we find ways to express them, to discover that voice within us and tell our story. I'm going to bring on my guest in just a minute here. I can't wait to tell you about him. But first, we're going to say hi to our fearless engineer, Eric Ryder, is in the studio today. Hey, good afternoon. How are you doing today, Coach Debbie? I am great. I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We've got some beautiful sunshine here in the Pacific Northwest, so can't complain. Yeah, y'all don't get to see the view from here, but it is wonderful. And and now that it's, it's uh, what do you call that? Not daylight savings time. What do you call that? Standards. Yeah, we're on standard time here for a few more days, and then we'll switch over to daylight savings time. But but every minute that we get further and further from December 21st, yeah. we get just longer days, teensy bit more light. <laughs> yeah, loving it. So there's a little bit more light out there. Now, how's my mic today? Is it all and proof? Is it good? <laughs> yeah, you're Is, sounding great. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I want to welcome you all to think about calling in and talking to me about the stories of your life and how you're turning them into poetry. We have a toll-free number here, which is 1-888-298-5569. 
That's 1-888-298-5569. We are KKNW 1150 AM in Seattle. You can stream it anywhere you want, but we are based right here in the Seattle studio. So without further ado, I am going to tell you about my guest today. This is someone very, very special to me, near and dear to my heart. His name is Ed Harkness. He was the, the first person that I, probably the first person I met when I started teaching at Shoreline. It was kind of a funny story, Ed, how I, I came to meet you. I'll have to tell that at some point. I hope you do. <laughs> Nice we story. we share. I should. I'll just share it right now. So I'm, imagine this: I'm a brand new student or a teacher on campus. I'm 34 years old at the time. I thought I was mm-hmm. an old lady, but looking back, that just wasn't true. And it's and not I'm true th- at all. Ever. <laughs> I'm thinking 34. I'm just starting my career. I, I but I felt like I was 11. You know. But I'm I'm 34 and I'm going down the halls and. I realize I'm a new teacher. New teachers don't get their own office. So what are you to do? Where are you supposed to put your staff? So I had one friend on campus, and I I walked down to his office, Neil, and I said, hey, Neil, what do you say? Um, what do you say until I, I figure all this out that you and I share an office? <laughs> now, Neil, Neil had a... a office that was he probably had more books in that office than the Seattle Public Library has in the entire library. That's totally true. Isn't it true? He had more paper on the floor than (laughs) it it was a mess. It was like a tornado had gone off in there. Mm -hmm. And I remember he kind of scratched his chin a little and he said well Deb take a look around. And I said yes and he goes this never changes. <laughs> so if you can live with this, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if I can. And he goes, but if you don't want to, why don't you go down the hall and knock on my friend Ed's door? He might let you in. <laughs> and I said, but I don't know him. And he goes, just tell him Neil sent you. He might let you in. And so I did. I walked down the hall, and I just said, um, Hi. <laughs> I was scared to death, and, and and I just said I'm new, and I'm I'm looking for a place to land, and and you said sure, yeah, why not? And we just became great pals. Mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time that Ed had been teaching nearly 20 years. At that point, he was well respected in the Shoreline, Edmonds, and Seattle area as a teacher of English literature, as well as a star teacher of poetry and a writer of poetry. He studied at the University of Montana. That's right. And received his MFA there, studied with uh, the notorious Richard Hugo. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're, you had tremendous fondness for James Wright. Did you also... Did you also have encounters with Mr. Wright as well? Yes. Yes, I, did. I thought I so. Did. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll get to pull those out of Ed. Mm-hmm. He is so well-respected here in the Seattle area. All you have to do is say Ed Harkness, and anyone that cares about literature and poetry shows up to hear what is the latest things that he will share with us. And I find that Ed being very athletic and 
a lover of nature, tends to write a lot about his experiences outside and his travels with his family. Is that so? It is. Yeah. It is. It is yeah. So welcome, mm-hmm. Ed. Thank you, Debbie. How excited Lovely. are you to be here? <laughs> Very excited to be here. It's wonderful. Thank you for hosting me. Oh, you're welcome. And we should give a, a nice hello out to Linda. Linda is Ed's wife of how many years? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how embarrassing that I can't give you a Three quick decades, maybe yeah, more? Yeah, it's, it would be 45, I believe. 45 years. Yeah. You and Linda have been married 45 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's what I say. That's love. Wow. <laughs> That's love. It, it That's a love. beautiful love. Yes, it is. That's wonderful. And mm-hmm. we'll say hi to Ned and Devin as well, who are, what ages are your sons now? Um, another embarrassing question. Let's see. Devin would be uh, 44. My kids are middle-aged, Debbie. Do you believe it? What, did you say 44? 44, and Ned, the younger one, is 44. One. I think you're about 20 years off. I think they're 24 and 21. Oh, oh, you could be right. <laughs> That's right how I that. remember them, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think the one you're speaking of that was 21 was just finishing high school when I met you. That somewhere could well in there. Be. Yeah, sounds mm-hmm. about right. Long Something time like that, oh. yes. So today, listeners, I want you to be thinking about your life as poetry. Your life is poetry. Ed and I are going to be reading from his books. And I think one of the things you might notice is that as we go through our life, as we are enjoying a moment, as we are reflecting back on a moment, if we care to, we can collect the poetry of that moment. Now, it's really lovely if you've gone to the University of Montana and you've obtained your MFA. That's, that's lovely. And, and your skill level uh, at capturing these moments are going to be high. However, I like to dabble with the poetry of my life. And what I mean by that is I like to really just linger in the moment mm-hmm. and enjoy my senses. Mm-hmm and enjoy whatever I have to say Mm -hmm. about that moment. Lovely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I said in our newsletter that you helped me appreciate that poetry exists in ice cubes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that. I remember you told me that, but I have forgotten. Really? Ice cubes? See, one of the great things that Ed can do is he teaches people to look at something that they are familiar with, and find the poetry. And I can't remember what the course was that you and I were teaching, Mm -hmm. but one of the things you said was write a poem about an ice cube, (laughs) write a poem about the, the, the steering wheel, write a poem. (laughs) It, It was the ordinary thing that is so a part of your life that if you don't stop for it, you'll fail to see the poetry of it. Hmm. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I have poems that do, that were triggered by the ordinary. Oh, yes, you do. Right. Yes, you do. And how many books of poetry at this point? Well, I have three, 
full-length collections. Uh, Saying the Necessary was the first. The second one was um, Beautiful Passing Lives. And I now have a new book called The Law of the Unforeseen. And it, and my books have been published by Pleasure Boat Studio, a literary press based in Seattle. And so that's it. And in addition, I've published, you know, a handful of smaller collections called chapbooks, you know, which are usually maybe 10 to 20 poems. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, when you were a younger man thinking mm-hmm. about going off and and getting your your degrees, mm-hmm. I would imagine there was a certain pressure to not take up poetry. Is that so? Or were you just allowed? I think, uh, you know, I, I think there is, there is that sense that, you know, what's the point? <laughs> right. You know, it's, 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 does it matter what I do? Does it matter that I, I write parts of my life down? I think a lot of our listeners ask this mm-hmm. question every day. Yeah. Does it matter? Mm-hmm. And why mine? Why mine? Maybe maybe someone out there that's lived mm-hmm. a bigger, more expansive life. Yeah. And of course it does matter. I mean it's 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 powerful, you know, to to connect with a poem or connect with a poet and and recognize that there there are shared emotions, their shared sense of what it's like to be a human being on this planet. And it's, it's, it's just a, a magical thing when you discover that kind of connection through poetry, mm-hmm. through a poem. Yes, absolutely. You know, and it becomes part of your fabric, you know, your kind of genetic makeup. Um, I just can't imagine living without it. I can't mm-hmm. imagine living with, without the magic, you know, of of language, deeply engaged language, which is what po- poetry is. You know, it's language at its most electric, you might say. Electric. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought of poetry and electricity <laughs> in in the same sentence. I like that. Yeah. And do you think it's because we have to sort of stop time to capture poetry? Is that what's making it electric? I think so. I think it does stop time. In fact, in a way, it it not, it, it stops time in one sense, and in another, it kind of doubles time. You know, I find that when I when I'm writing, I'm living a second life. You know, it's the life of being in language, and and the beauty and the magic of language. So that's, that's why I love to write. Yes. Because it l- allows me, in a way, to, to enter other, other worlds, you might say. It does. Mm-hmm. It does, absolutely. It, poetry is always pointing us to that moment where we can indulge in even one more sense. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if we were really listening 
it mm. pulls us into really also here. Mm-hmm. Or if we were, you know, really sniffing that wine, it pulls us in to more sensory experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I want to encourage you all. If you have a question for Ed or myself, we're going to take a break in just a moment here. But we would love to hear from you. And we are at one 298 5669 And you can always send a text to me on Facebook, back there in the Facebook Messenger. I see Antonio from Miami is with us. We will be right back to talk with you about Rumi. So stay tuned. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. treehouse does it fit okay just perfect sweetheart Mm -hmm. a place where children who've suffered abuse and neglect can find the support they need to fulfill their potential graduate from high school and achieve their dreams in fact of all the things we do for them our favorite is buying them a graduation gown well how do i look like you're ready to contribute something great to the world come visit us at treehouseforkids.org for information treehouse giving foster kids a childhood and a future Ovarian cancer is devastating and difficult to diagnose. It's often only caught in advanced stages, and four out of five women will see the deadly disease return. I knew when ovarian cancer recurs, it's often incurable. It was terrifying, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Until recently, following chemotherapy, women with recurrent ovarian cancer had to simply watch and wait for their disease to come back. Well, we say, not on my watch. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Now, with maintenance therapies, women can extend their time in response and delay recurrence. Knowledge and awareness of your choices empowers you and gives you a greater sense of control. Let's call for a change in ovarian cancer care. The Not On My Watch movement empowers women facing recurrent ovarian cancer to take an informed and active role in managing their disease. Visit notonmywatch.com to learn more. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. I am based here in the Seattle area, and I help people write their books. It is my duty to take you on an experience to help you understand the triumphs you have gone through and those transformations you are processing and what they might look like in a book. I want to encourage you that these are books that really serve people. And if you're thinking, well, what's so special about my story? All I did was have an injury and make it back. It's really what was in your story and what you transformed that people are just so interested in. I mean, I could tell you, well, what's so interesting about my story? I'm just nearsighted. But oh my goodness, 
there are some stories within stories within stories in that. And anytime someone sits me down to share the stories, then they say, you know what? You should write about that <laughs> over and over and over again. So I encourage you, look me up. I'm at www.coachdebbie.com. I would love to hear from you. Today we're talking uh, with Ed Harkness about the idea that your life story is poetic. And we're going to dive into some of his poetry right here. He is the author of three full-length poetry books, several chapbooks, and you can also find his poetry online as well. Which poem, Ed, would you like to share with us first? I want to read one from Beautiful Passing Lives, and it's called Out of the Blue. And I totally picked that one out. I didn't know you were going to pick it out, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, on the same I, page. The page literally. is marked because I picked it out, too. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, you did. I did. Sure I was going to read it today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually dog-eared, the, the page. That's great. Um, yeah, I was mentioning during the break that I find myself drawn to ordinary things and writing about the ordinary and trying to illuminate the ordinary. You know, I mean, that's one of the challenges of, 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 of poetry, I think, is to, to take something commonplace and, you know, from, from your own experience and, and transform it. You were talking about transformations and transform it to something larger, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to do in this poem called Out of the Blue. Wonderful. We're yeah. ready. Now and then it happens, often in March, the sun a dazzle in the bare aspens. Blown from clouds hidden behind Bethel Ridge, snow will fall out of the blue like sparks, a swarm of glitter floating first as feathers, then cool specks on your cheeks like tears from far away. One moment, you're listing all your failings. The next, you're standing with your lover on a gravel bar showered in a confetti of light. I love that one so much. You know, it's, it's a real tribute to you and Linda just living your life and stopping and enjoying a moment. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, and I find I, I do that a lot. I, 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 I'm self-critical. I mean, maybe many of us are. And You think? <laughs> I do think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's what I, I hope might happen in that poem is to see, see these little, you might call them ordinary miracles like snow falling out of a blue sky and marveling at what, what this, what, at the extraordinary wonder of being alive on this planet we call Earth. This planet here, mm -hmm. yes. This one right here. I had some of these poetic moments with our most recent snowstorm. Oh, really? 
Yes, there's mm-hmm. 24 steps that lead down to the little house I live in. Right. You don't want to be on those when it snows. Oh, no. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. So the good news was I had transported myself to and from the grocery store. Uh-huh. And I was home having lovely food, and I didn't know how many days that would mm-hmm. go on. Right. But my girlfriend sent me a little video, Jeanette. And she said, Debbie, I want to share with you the hummingbirds I'm taking care of. Mm-hmm. It was this short little video mm-hmm. of the food that she had made and the lights she had prepared for hummingbirds. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm nearsighted. Mm-hmm. So right. I tend to not know mm-hmm. about the birds. I, I didn't know mm-hmm. that there were little birds possibly hanging out in the snow. Mm-hmm. Why the heck aren't they in San Diego? That's where I'd be. You know, <laughs> if I had two wings, I'd be heading south. <laughs> so that video that Jeanette sent me mm-hmm. motivated me to mm-hmm. stop, mm-hmm. to stop for the poetry of life mm-hmm. and go with my camera mm-hmm. and stand under the tree. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I found birds. They weren't hummingbirds, Uh but they were little birds. Maybe you know. They have Mm -hmm. sort of a a tan breastplate, and the Mm -hmm. rest of them is black, and they're very, very round, and and they have a very sweet song. But I I didn't know that Mm -hmm. they were nesting in the tree Mm -hmm. that overhangs my deck. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like juncos, maybe, Oregon junco. I, I believe you. I know you, you watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I made a little video, and I would call that a moment of poetry in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. It was sparked by my friend, Wonderful. and yet it asked me to just stop and mm-hmm. see, see mm-hmm. deeper, mm-hmm. look deeper, yeah. experience more. Mm-hmm. And that's poetry. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of it. Your brand new book here, mm-hmm. The Law of the Unforeseen, mm-hmm. this has artwork on it from your mom. Yeah, it does. Uh, viewers out there, you can't see the cover. But we know that your mother was a collaborator with you. Yeah, she was. Um, Doris Harkness. She, the, just a, a brief description, the cover shows um, a watercolor painting of a of a looking down at, at a koi fish, and it's painted in the Japanese style of sumie. So it's quick brush strokes. It's very suggestive, but it's this curved shape of a fish as if looking down. And it's really beautiful, and, I, and it, yeah, it's by my mom. And, and uh, I'm so happy that I discovered it, and I knew the moment that I saw this, okay. That's it. That's my cover. That's the cover of my book. <laughs> yeah, and the back cover on the paperback, uh, on both the paperback and the hardback versions, show a bird perched in the tree, a little bit like the bird you described. A lot like the bird I described, yeah. yes. Also by my mom. Do thank you, you, Mom. Thank you, Mom. appreciate that. I remember meeting Doris. Yeah, she's great. She's a wonderful night of our life. We have a... a Texter Antonio writes in to contribute to our conversation, Mm -hmm. and he says this roomy poet, uh, sorry, this roomy poem Mm -hmm. has saved me from my small self many times. 
It reminds me that true love lives far and away beyond where my strongly held opinions and views are able to reach. And so he quotes Rumi, and it says, Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other don't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) I like it a lot. I do too. Thank you. Alfredo, is it? Antonio. Antonio. But probably, uh, yes, Antonio from Miami. The part of that that I love so mm. much mm-hmm. is that it's out beyond ideas mm. and I'll meet you there. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think that really captures the notion again. When we are trying to discover our voice, when mm. we are really trying to tell our story, where are we willing to meet up mm-hmm. with our story? Yeah. Where are we willing to go? How deep mm-hmm. are we willing to think about our stories? Yep. Too true. We would love to hear another poem from you. Do you have one from your latest book that you would like to share? I have about 50 Good. poems to share, but I'm not going to read them all. No. Um, yeah, I have. You, you requested this one, and I'd be happy to read it. It's called Great Apes at the Zoo, and it's, you know, it's it's another poem about just looking, you know, noticing something. Uh, I don't know, I read somewhere that uh, an early 20th century poet, Rainier Maria Rilke. Maria Rilke. Y- yeah, I used to spend Rain. a lot of time yeah. at the zoo studying animals and just looking at them. Uh, and I've I did that, too. Right at the Seattle Zoo. My gosh. Great Apes at the Zoo. It's on page 20. It goes like this. Behind the glass barrier and the laughter of children and parents, the mother sits, eating something the keepers have given her. She holds a rind, avocado or papaya, as if it were a small ceramic bowl, lifting morsels of whatever it is to her mouth. She delicately licks her slender fingers. Squatting in straw, she seems Buddha calm, unaware of the gawking world, unaware, too, apparently, of her rustling boys, one no bigger than the toddler beside me, his nose to the glass, squealing in recognition as if he too would like to wrestle and box. The straw flies. Dust rises in misty puffs. The little ape slaps his older brother, (laughs) does a backflip, bumps his head on a log, runs to mama and crawls on her back to catch his breath. Mama doesn't budge. She drops the rind and surveys her world of leafless climbing trees the keepers have installed. 
a webbing of ropes, an artificial stream, and across the dark pocket of a concrete cave. Her eyes are bland, resigned, like the eyes of any prisoner or refugee. Kids and their parents have strolled away. The older brother shits in the straw, then knuckle walks to the stream where he cups his hands to drink. The mother gazes off as if at some other life. She reaches back and lifts her little fellow over her head, rolls sideways onto the straw, and grooms him till he falls asleep. I absolutely love this poem. When, when I was in charge of the literary magazine at Shoreline, Ed submitted this poem, and we always try to save as many pages as we can for students, but when this one came in, I said, here's a faculty poem. It's going in. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I rule. I rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. I think this person who wrote in in response to our newsletter mm-hmm. um, I think this ties in really well with what you just read to us. Yeah. She, she says, um, this is Heather. Uh, she is from the Seattle Queen Anne area. She's mm-hmm. 39. Mm-hmm. She says, I can sort of see how my life story is poetic if I take it in little tiny passing moments, but I get so caught up in the hot mess of my life. The long days, working too much, my huge expenses. How can I find the poetry in my life when I have less time for myself now more than ever before? Mm. Profound question. Mm-hmm. It's tough, you know. It's tough to carve out those moments where you have to let those other things go, the other stresses of life and the bills and... Uh, paying attention to other people or caring for, you know, um, washing the dishes or, you know, doing some repair, whatever it happens to be. you gotta, you got to carve that time, that, that bit of time out to give to your poetry. There's just no other way around it. You just have to keep your appointment with your muse and... and uh, not not call the date off. Something I do all the time, by the way. <laughs> call the date off. Yeah, yeah, I bail. <laughs> you know, and it, it's so I, I'm I'm talking about things to do. You know, <laughs> advice from the poet. But you know, I find it hard too to just find the time. And but that's what you got to do. You got to you got to make those appointments with the muse and and keep the date. You do. We don't have the life of the apes in the zoo. Mm. You know, we can mm-hmm. watch them and appreciate that mm-hmm. mama has nothing better to do than to groom her mm-hmm. child and lull mm-hmm. him to sleep. Mm-hmm. But if we are going to really enjoy, I would I would suggest if we're going to really, really enjoy those moments mm-hmm. of grooming our children and lulling them to sleep, mm-hmm. we have to also find a way to balance our creativity in there as well. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. is that wanting to be expressed? Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. only have a, a minute and a half before we go to break, but 
Here's a question I get all the time from people. Mm. What is the muse? Mm. It's such a hard thing for me to explain. I feel like poets do it much better. Mm. Hey, you, you promised me you wouldn't ask any hard questions. Yeah, okay. I know. What is the muse? I um, changed it. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's that impulse that drives Ooh, you to the impulse. page. Ooh. You know, it's that, that need you have to need. make things real for yourself. Ooh, Ed, you know. that's so good. <laughs> that's so I good. I just made that up. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> it is an impulse. Yeah, it's it a driving need. Yeah, and, you know, you recognize that I remember teaching poetry writing at Shoreline and recognizing that impulse in students. You know, it's really easy to be discouraged, and I get discouraged, and all writers do, especially with, you know, endless rejections. But if the impulse is there, you, you, nothing gets in your way. No criticism, no, no rejection. You know, you plow ahead. You've got to plow ahead. That's what you've got to do. You've got to, mm-hmm. you've got to just muscle your way forward through disappointment and, and, you know, just stick with it. So much of being a writer is just persevering, just yeah. being, just being steadfast and, and hanging on there. It really is. And mm-hmm. I find that when I allow myself to take that moment mm-hmm. for, for the sunrise, for the child asking me a question, mm-hmm. for the, the, the ape in the zoo, for anything, for the confetti of snow, mm-hmm. when I allow myself to take that moment, then the drive to get my pen in hand mm-hmm. and to the page Mm-hmm. happens with more ease. Yeah. It yeah. really does cuz mm-hmm. I've I've seen those moments. Mm-hmm. So here we are at uh, time for our second break. You are not too late if you are are feeling the courage to call in. We're at 1-888-298-5569. We're going to be right back after this. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. I help you discover your voice and tell your story. I'm based here in the Seattle area, and I welcome you to check out my website, www.coachdebbie.com. 
Coach Debbie, and that's D-E-B-B-Y dot com. I have a writer's program for the person that is serious about writing his or her book and would like to work on mindset strategies to get that book written this year. I mean, think about the fact that maybe this book has been on your mind for some time. If you are ready to get that book in print this year, I would love for you to head on over to www.coachdebby.com and check out my offerings there. I do want to make a little time for sponsorship today. A registered dietitian developed this product just better, prebiotic supplements. Now, this is a huge part of our story because 97% of Americans do not eat enough what? Fiber. They do not (laughs) eat enough fiber. So in order to slim down, in order to reduce your cholesterol, in order to basically just have good blood sugar, you need some help every now and then. And I want to encourage you to think about this product just better. You can't miss it. It's green with black letters. It can come to you straight from Amazon. And the, the creator of this is a registered dietitian based here in Seattle, Washington. And you just might see this in an upcoming and very popular show that I don't think I can say here. But I do encourage you, go over to Amazon. Check out Just Better Prebiotic Supplement. We are back talking with Ed Harkness about poetry and the idea that your life is poetic. These moments we stop for, the way we enlist our our sensory, our hearing, our sight, our taste, our touch, the way we enlist that, that sense of smell brings us back to the poetry of our life. And I would argue that it helps you develop your voice. So I would like to hear another poem from your mm-hmm. latest book. Okay. What would you like to read to us? Well, I thought I have two shortish poems, um, and they, they're a little connected. One is from um, that earlier book I mentioned, Beautiful Passing Lives, and it's called Mountain Ashberries. And it's a poem about, you know, being a father. and One of my faves. Yeah, one of uh, having a couple of kids, a couple of sons that are roughhousing and we're playing out in the yard. And the other poem I would like to read, if I get a chance, is is about my father. So this is about me, father, and the other one is my, my own father. So mountain ash berries. Hard, bright clusters hang in the bare tree. When the boys were boys, we'd cut quarter-inch PVC pipe for blowguns. It woke you up to catch a berry in the forehead or neck, but it was war. And now robins gather this morning to feed. How sweet to see myself sprint, crouch, dodge, and aim. Dad, you're a dead man. I see us three in the yard, leaves like years matted on the lawn, a blur the more I stare. 
How sweet the snap of a berry bullet on the cheek, the sting of living, a kiss you don't forget. We'd blast whatever moved, no rules, in late October light, our T-shirts grass-grimed, badged with berry flesh. They moved on, as kids do. How sweet to be shot, to die, to come back to life. I just love that poem so much. I'm so glad you read that for us. For one, it really captures you in the play mm-hmm. with with your sons. You are father, but you are at play. Yeah. Equally as much as they are, and mm-hmm. you know they will grow. Mm-hmm. As so they have. Yes. As they have turned forty something, I I can't even believe that kids. I just can't. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Someone asked me the other day, you know, Debbie, how old's your little brother? And I said, oh, he's he's forty one. No, he's forty three. No, he's for, <laughs> he's forty. He's forty. He's forty seven. He's forty seven. Yeah. You know, I just about had yeah. a heart attack. Yeah. And they're like, how old are you? And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm forty seven too. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I'm fifty three. But the other day, mm-hmm. I was forty seven. Just the other day. You were. Yeah, just oh, the other day, I was forty-seven, happy and today I'm fifty-three. So it, it happens no. like that, oh. you know. Oh. I, I didn't yeah, get, you're, you're. I no way. Yeah, I'm fifty-three no, now. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. No, no, no. <laughs> and you're fifty-four. See how it happens? Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> like that. But now we're going to hear a poem where you are in the kid role, and yep. your your dad is the dad. Your the dad, dad is, is the dad. dad yeah. And it's something that, I don't know if boys still go through this or not. Maybe maybe this is history. I'm not sure. But it's called Tying a Tie. I must be 12 or so. We face the bathroom mirror, me in starched white shirt, trying not to squirm, faint frown on my face. He in sleeveless tee, his chest hair abundant, still dark, the last dots of shaving soap on his chin. He calls the knot a Windsor, holds my hands, holding the long end on the left, short end on the right, flipping long over short, looped around, poked up and over the top, tucked in, pulled down, the triangle tightened with thumb and forefinger, all simple, deft, impossible to replicate. He's not a sad man yet. I'm in training for the world, for being a man like him. Sad only when I study him in the mirror, girding for another day at the appliance store, his hands on the shoulders of his smaller self, prepping me first so I can see how it's done, how to tie the tie in a way that allows me to breathe, to not fear the squeeze of being choked. I will, just as he has, come to live with it. And so I have, now that he's gone, come to live with it, to tie my own tie, to accept the discomfort, just as he did, whose reasons for sorrow were many, to love again the appliance salesman who turns me to face him as he adjusts the knot 
at my throat. Wow. The choke. Yeah. The choke. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was, I've always felt uncomfortable wearing a tie. I don't know. I didn't, haven't done them a lot. I mean, I have a suit. And I, there aren't many poets I, that love ties. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I think it's a theme. You you knew you knew my husband, and he was yeah. quite the poet. And he, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, he he didn't do ties. He didn't do ties mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Okay, not in the eleven years we were together, not really? once, not, and not before. Your, at your wedding? Sure. Oh no, we had to go and get a Chinese Mandarin uh, shirt for him. Oh, that okay. that was you know. A very, very lovely and elegant-looking shirt, but uh-huh. no tie. No tie. Okay. No ties. Mm-hmm. And I love how you—I I hadn't heard that poem before. I—I mm. I really love the side-by-side, because I was getting set up for the idea that maybe he was going to teach you how to shave. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that happened at some point. I got a, <laughs> hey, poem idea. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. It's Thank a you. moment. These mm-hmm. are the moments of our yeah. lives. First time shaving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Windsor, mm-hmm. you know, that's a classic tie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And your father knew how to do, I knew your father uh, flew in the war, but I really don't know about his career. Well, um, you know, he, he worked at Boeing for many years. We, mm-hmm. I grew up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the difficult things of, those years, I would have been in high school at the time, is that you might have heard that in the 70s, Boeing tanked. Yes. And hundreds, maybe thousands of employees were let go, and my father was one. Was that so around 76, somewhere in there? I'm going to say 70, but I, you know, okay. I think it was around 1970. Okay. The big, big layoffs happened. Boy, that was traumatic. I mean, for the family. And uh, I think we sold our car. We didn't have a car for a long time. And, yeah, it was difficult. So he had been a man to wear a tie. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Every day when he would go to work at Boeing, get picked up in a carpool. You know, there were two or three Boeing workers that shared the ride with each other. Yeah. I remember your dad fondly. Yeah, he was a good man. Mm-hmm. Really wonderful man. I was going to read Flying Fortress, but there's oh. too many hard words in it. <laughs> and I don't want to mess them up, but, <laughs> but it, it is a, a, an ode yeah, to your he, father. Yeah, it, it is. He, he was a B-17 ball turret gunner, and he had to be a small. You know, he, my dad was, I don't know, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, and that was, that was the right size to scrunch your body down into that little plexiglass sphere under the belly of the B-17 bomber. And, uh, you know, he operated these two fifty caliber machine guns. And, uh, yeah, so that's what he did, and he survived. And no surprise, you became a poet. <laughs> yeah, no mm. surprise at all mm. from something like that. Mm. We just have five minutes in our show left, and if you have a question for Ed, he has just... Oh, oh, I'm glad I looked. Hang on. We do have a question for mm. Ed. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. Okay. Uh, 
Let me just try and enlarge here. Ah, thank you for the show about poetry. Nice to know poet, poem and poet alike can circulate in the airwaves together. May I ask your guests, please, what do you think about being a late bloomer? I am 67 years old, no former training, but I think I can take in this idea of enjoying moment by moment and creating some poetry. Would you mentor me, or do you think I can handle this on my own? This is Harriet from Everett, 67. Great hmm. question. Great question. What do you think? I would really encourage you. Uh, what's the name? Harriet. Harriet. I would really encourage you, Harriet, to to get yourself a journal and start writing. I just love the idea that you are thinking about doing that, and I hope you follow through with it. And, you know, the other thing is about poetry writing. I'm not sure about mentoring, but I could I could certainly encourage you and uh, encourage you to read, for one thing. I mean, it, in some ways, in some curious way, reading poetry is every bit as important as the actual writing of it. And some, you hear complaints from time to time that, you know, too many poets uh, don't poets don't read enough. You know, and people, young young writers, young students, and I had this happen. I was aware of this very much when I was teaching, is that students want to write poetry, but they don't want to read it very much. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's curious, but I would definitely encourage you to read everything you can get your hands on, Harriet, and good luck. I would encourage you, Harriet, to think about the things you love to look at and experience mm -hmm. and and who were some of the poets that could bring you into that. For example, Mary Oliver, who oh, just passed. I was just thinking of her. Were you? Yeah. Just, you mm -hmm. know, she she helped me slow down. Oh, yeah. And appreciate my relationships and mm -hmm. appreciate just, just a walk. Yeah, yeah. You know? Really, wonderful really poem. wonderful woman. Yeah, please read. Get some books from your library by Mary Oliver. Yeah. Yeah, you can trust us. That's yep. a great place to start. Totally. Great place to start. Mm -hmm. Well, my dear listeners, we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to Ed Harkness share some of his wonderful poetry. He's based here in the... Based... He lives here in <laughs> Shoreline, Washington, mm -hmm. and if you if you watch, you will see in Shoreline Art Council his name come up, and you can follow where he is going to do readings. And I also want you to think about the idea of how you might bring more poetry into your life, into those tiny little moments of your life, with your children, with your family, with your outdoors just on the couch, just on Sunday morning. <laughs> I'll be back next week. This is Coach Debbie on Story You Talk Radio. Namaste, my friends. Mm -hmm.